If you haven't already, turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. And as we're turning there, I want to just from the onset, uh, Easter feels strange. Uh, Let me tell you why. Easter feels strange because on every Lord's Day Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection. We don't come and gather this Sunday or any other Sunday disconnected from what Christ has done for us on the cross. That's why we come. That if the resurrection didn't happen, we've got our weekends emptied up. But we come precisely because we believe, because we have ample evidence, and because the Spirit has opened up our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, to believe that this did actually happen. Jesus was a true historical figure, Son of God, sent in flesh through the Virgin Mary. Trained up, raised up to the point where the priests and all others of Israel were in awe of what he knew. For he, te- he taught, he teached, he taught as one who had authority. The Son of God, the Word made flesh, dwelt among us, humbled himself to the point of death. Death on a cross. So as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, every Sunday should feel like Easter Sunday because every Sunday is a resurrection Sunday. The other 51 Sundays are just as valid. But all the more today. Do we recognize, do we memorialize the specific Timing might not seem appropriate, but we set aside this day in the calendar to remember the days of which Christ was crucified, dead and buried in a tomb, but up from the grave He arose. So with that, uh, let us just be reminded of what an amazing opportunity that we have on this specific Sunday. So let me give you just a quick encouragement. Uh, Let's use this day. Let's use this season for the proclamation of the gospel. I can't tell you how many opportunities last week I had to be able to talk with someone about coming to church on Sunday. So don't squander that and don't squander Easter in that with all of the baskets and the bunnies and the eggs and the candies and all of these things, let's not forget the real reason for Easter. And that is, just as we showed the kids both yesterday and today, the reality of an empty tomb. So with that, Genesis 22 Genesis 22, the Lord provides. The Lord provides. As Christine read, from the onset, Abraham is said through this narrative to have been tested. And the test is, what will you do with your son? 
What will you do with your son? And from the onset, I want to just share that I've been so shaped by uh, a book by the name of Preaching Christ from Genesis uh, by an author, I'm going to butcher their name, but it's Sidney Gradenos. It's not it at all, but it's close. Uh, that I have been so shaped that even the main idea and the main proposition come directly from that. So if you want to write off this sermon, you shouldn't because it's phenomenal uh, and, and is extremely good. But the Lord provides. The Lord provides in this story through Abraham and Isaac and the Lord. Ultimately, as we think about this day, this Easter Sunday, the Lord provides for us. So the main objective, the main proposition this morning is that you would see your faithful covenant Lord can be trusted to provide your redemption. Your faithful covenant Lord can be trusted to provide your redemption. And the main idea this morning comes uh, from this work. The The Lord provides a sacrificial lamb so that his people may live. The Lord provides a sacrificial lamb so that his people may live. There is a very rampant uh, anti-gospel going around. There are people whose ears itch to hear that they will be provided for. They will be taken care of in a financial, in a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. It is a lie from the pit of hell. And we're not talking about that type of provision. What we are talking about is not health, it's not wealth, but it certainly is prosperity. That for the one who trusts in Jesus Christ, you will ultimately prosper. And it has nothing to do with health, and it has nothing to do with wealth, but it has everything to do with your eternal destination. So we're talking about a provision of a spiritual sense. That the Lord provides a sacrificial lamb so that his people may live. As we look at this text, what a remarkable test of which God puts Abraham to. He puts him to a test that even the Canaanites would have thought, wait wait a second. Why is Yahweh asking Abraham to sacrifice his own son? That's what we do. Remember, your faithful covenant Lord can be trusted to provide your redemption. In this story, it is a test of faith. As some authors have said, this is Abraham's pinnacle of obedience. That from Genesis chapter 12, where God speaks out to Ur of the Chaldeans, to Abram, and says, come from this place that you knew to a place that I'll show you. This then is the pinnacle because everything is tied to this one child. As one commentator says, that in this, in this, in this person, this son, Isaac, the whole salvation of the world seemed to be extinguished or to perish. At the 
seed not going forth, nothing continues to happen. The promises of God to be a blessing to all the nations, for Abraham's offspring to be uh, rulers, to be kings, to do all of these things without a son, this doesn't happen. And here in this test of faith, what is it that Yahweh asks Abraham to give up? His son. But the text doesn't just say your son. It goes repeating your only son. So brothers and sisters, I'm going to try and give a a broad brush through Old Testament and New Testament to be able to show you that the shadows of Christ are right here in Genesis 22. That when this narrator, when God speaks, or the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord speaks to Abraham, he uses specific terminology and references that chart the course for this son, the true son, the true Israel, the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ. God asks Abraham to lay forth Isaac there on the altar and to sacrifice him for him as this test of obedience. One author said that in preparation for this three-day journey, Abraham was wrestling or would have been having to reach a resolution. Am I going to do this? It wasn't a quick Yes or no. It was a grueling and agonizing journey. And yet they reach the base of Mount Moriah. And some say Abraham is telling his servants, trying to kind of offhandedly say, you guys stay here because I'm going to kill my son. There doesn't seem to be any shadiness as to which Abraham is speaking, both to his servants and in the way that he speaks to his son. Father, the wood, the fire. Where's the lamb at? Abraham does not, in a shady manner or in a deceitful way, say, My son, the Lord will provide. But trusting, just as the writer of Hebrews picks up on, that Abraham believed God to the point that he could raise up his son in resurrection. So in faith, in obedience to the Father, Abraham says, Yahweh will provide a ram. Yahweh will provide a ram. A sacrifice. Yahweh, verse 8, will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my, my son. So they both went together. And as the story crescendos into this moment with Abraham's arm outstretched with the dagger in it, he's already tied his son to the, to the, to the altar. The wood is prepared And in this crescendo, the angel of the Lord calls out to Abraham, saying, stop. For I now know that you fear God. Don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. 
And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. There are some intense shadows of Christ and the fulfillment of these things. That where in this moment, the test of obedience is on Abraham, but we know at the base of another mountain, the test of obedience is, will the perfect sinless son of God obey his father to the point of enduring the cross, enduring the full and utter weight of all of humanity's sin from past all the way forward? All of it. Would he obey? And the cost is not uh, inconsequential, just as it's not inconsequential with Isaac. For if Isaac dies, the lineage of Abraham, the seed of the promise, is done. For Isaac and for this original uh, hearers, as Moses writes and delivers this word to exiled uh, or post-Exodus Israel, he is encouraging them, he's showing them that the seed is preserved. So too, not just with with Isaac is a people made and preserved for God's Uh, purposes, but in Christ, in His obedience, in His sacrifice, is a people made new, preserved, redeemed by His sacrifice. Where Abraham perfectly obeys, Christ perfectly obeys. Where Isaac is laid on the altar, Jesus is laid on the altar. But it's not a ram that is laid on the altar. It is the sinless Son of God. One author picks up on Hebrews chapter 9. It says, how interesting is it that in Isaac, a ram is placed because the old The Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the blood of sacrifices in worship to God is still in full effect. But in Christ, it's over because the blood of goats and rams is insufficient. For Christ's blood spilt once and finally is sufficient to redeem a people for Himself. These are major implications that just as this ram caught in the thicket will be Isaac's sacrifice Jesus Christ is our sacrifice in Exodus we see how is a people passed over for their sin it's by the blood of the lamb placed on the doorpost that even for The Egyptians, if they come under the blood of the Lamb, they will be preserved. The firstborn would be preserved. Alluding to the fact that it is in Christ, it is through this seed of the woman in Isaac, then on through David and others, ultimately finding its head in Christ, that 
all of the nations will be blessed. Not in prosperity, not in wealth, not in health, but in salvation. In the redemption of their sins. John the Baptist proclaims at Jesus' arrival, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world. There are shadows of Jesus both in Isaac, in Abraham, and in the ram. Jesus didn't stand up there as a figurehead and be removed. No, He was the sacrifice. He was the Lamb of Exodus. He was the Ram of Genesis 22. He was the fulfillment of all of the sacrificial system. He was. The Lord provides He provides for us in Christ. He provides for Abraham and Isaac. And that a ram was caught in the thicket. For the continuation of this narrative is the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time and rekindles this covenant by myself. I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your own son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring. I've got to say, there's not a ton that I fear. Now, I fear tornadoes. I don't like spiders. But there's not a lot of things that I just am fearful of. And if anybody plays a prank on me with spiders, One of the things that just utterly terrifies me is that the Lord would ask me to sacrifice my kids. And I don't mean in light of this Canaanite. I've got two pastor friends that lost their children to cancer before the age of 10. And I weep in fear that the Lord would call me to do that. That the Lord asked Abraham to do this. The turmoil at which would have been bubbling within him would have been immense. I can't imagine the prayers, the thoughts. Not to mention that this was the promised one. Yeah, Abraham is holding in view as the writer of Hebrews reminds that Abraham trusted God to the point that he knew he would raise him up again. And so I'm grateful this resurrection morning to not be in Abraham's shoes, but to recognize that God himself, as he provides, he says, by my Self, I have sworn. We saw this in Genesis 15. He cuts the pieces. He walks through them, upholding both sides of the covenant, saying, Abram, you won't be able to do this. He does the same thing with us in Christ. Beloved, you cannot keep the law. You cannot pay the penalty of your own sin. 
But by myself I have sworn. By my own son I have sworn. By my own son. There's nothing that I won't withhold from you. Beloved, if you ever doubt the love of God, look to the cross. He will not withhold any good thing from you because He's not even withheld His own Son. There is no depth to which He would not go to to redeem a people for Himself. He has given of Himself. He has given Himself. Self. To take our sin, to take our shame, to nail the debt of sin to the cross, Galatians tells us. Beloved, if you do not trust that your covenant Lord can be faithful to redeem you to the uttermost, let me remind you, look to the cross. For it is at the cross where the Lord provides through Himself, what we are unable to do. It is through Jesus' perfect obedience that we see Him humbly taking the cup, obeying perfectly to the will of Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, Not my will, but Yours. Here, Abraham likewise gives of his son by laying him on the altar. And the Lord says, stop. I will provide. So in this story, the Israelites would look to Mount Moriah and the place where the Lord would provide. We now look to this Golgotha, the place of the skull, where Jesus is led out of Jerusalem, where His body is broken. His blood is shed. It is there that we say, the Lord provides Brothers and sisters, I don't know what it is that you want to be provided. Maybe we are functioning in a form of uh, paganistic uh, Christmas that we want God to provide when and how and what we want. I've walked with you this long, Lord. Why don't I have a walk-in closet yet? I've walked this long with you. We've had a lot of people that have moved into new houses. And why don't I have two sinks in my bathroom? I've walked with you this long. And it seems like all I have is guilt. For not being obedient enough, for being disobedient in these ways, for having grief and guilt of things that I wished I would have done that I'm not doing, I'm doing the opposite. The Lord provides. It's in the cross where the Lord provides your salvation. It's in the cross where you can heap your sin on Christ. He says, bring it to me. You don't need to carry that around anymore. You can't provide for yourself in this way. 
but my son can. So this Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the resurrection, know that it is in Christ where God provides for His people the redemption, the pardon of sin. And it is in the cross where Jesus, through His blood shed, His body broken, do we then receive an invitation. Come! Lay your sin on Me, the scorned and shamed and guilty. The curse of sin. And be invited into My family. Become a son or daughter in my family. For in this story, Abraham must have faith. It's true for us. To believe the resurrection must take faith. Jesus tells Nicodemus that one cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again. How does that happen? By faith. By faith being reborn by the Spirit's work in us. Have you trusted in Christ this way? Are you trying to earn up enough of a pull with God that, hey, I may not be completely righteous through all of my works, but I'm pretty close. That's not going to add up. So let me offer you the biblical suggestion where you come without any works, when you come without any ability and you lay yourself before the cross and say, I've got nothing. But the Lord provides. And the Lord's provided. I've, I've seen the man on the cross. I've seen the empty tomb. The Spirit of God has made these things true through His Word. I got no good works, but I got the one who provided. And I trust that. And I confess that. I make him Lord. I make him Savior. That's the way. Because no works will provide for you what Christ has provided for you. No works will provide redemption of sin. No works will save you from the wrath of judgment and hell. No works will do anything other than send you straight to hell. But there is a man who worked, who provided by laying his life down on the cross, rose again. He didn't have his life taken from him as if he wasn't an authority. No, he says, I lay it down freely so that I can take it up again. The Lord provides in Christ a sacrificial lamb so that his people may live. So brothers and sisters, we are at a crossroads. We believe Christ and live or we continue to work in our own strength and we will die. Isn't it good? To know John 3.16. For God so loved 
the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him shall not perish. But will have eternal life. Your faithful covenant Lord can be trusted to provide your redemption. He did it for the people of Israel in the continuation of a son in Isaac, and he's done it for new Israel. He's done it for us, made up of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. We are not some ethnically or theologically pure people. We are a wasted and uh, awful people. We once were not a people, but we, through the blood of Christ, have been made a people. He is faithful to be trusted to provide for your redemption. Have you trusted in Him for your forgiveness of sins to continue to walk in obedience? If you've not, I would love to talk with you later this morning of how you can follow Christ in salvation. Let me pray this morning.